This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. To start out, we are going to go over our First Thessalonians passage, and we start with chapter 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that Paul didn't waste his time there. He went there, he preached, and it was on three successive Sabbaths that he preached in the synagogues, and he actually got fruit from that. That's why he says our work among you was not in vain, because people came to Jesus. And there was spiritual growth after Paul had to get out of town, as we talked about last week, and they continued to grow. And so what we have to ask ourselves based on this question, or the question that it raises is, are we growing in our spiritual lives? We need to ask. Are we growing? Are we changing? Are we becoming more like Jesus or are we kind of stagnant? You know, like an airplane that goes around and round and round in a holding pattern, doesn't really get anywhere, it just goes in circles. We got to ask and hope and pray that that's not a description of our spiritual lives. Now, verse 2, Philippi saw Paul get arrested and beaten put in jail, and eventually he was released. But he says, even after we suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. Now, that word boldness doesn't mean just brave. It means fearless, confident, adventurous and assured, where you're bold, you're gutsy, you love adventure, and you're not afraid because you know in this holy boldness that the Lord is with you. So you can feel confident in your faith and be bold. That means be bold and courageous to witness and share your faith with others. Yeah, it really does mean that. And so it means that we can be gutsy in sharing the gospel with other people instead of being afraid of them. We can go up there and say, hey, however you want to introduce the topic, if you died today, do you know if you'd go to heaven or not? Or something like that. That's a fairly provocative question, but it gets their gray matter going. And so we can be bold because it, Paul tells us that he was bold as a result of what happened there. Now, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. That means there was no sleight of hand, and there was no sneakiness. They didn't pad over parts of the gospel that might be somewhat unattractive. They didn't try to hide that. They told them the gospel, the pure gospel, the whole gospel. They didn't make any mistakes about it. And they didn't, like I said, any sleight of hand or where they're trying to hoodwink the people into believing with false doctrine. They proclaimed the gospel. What this also asks of us, do we 
love God enough? And do we love God's Word enough to study the Word enough so that we know the Word, so that we know God, so that we know that we can get closer to God by studying His Word? Do we love God that much to commit the Scriptures to memory and to get into them and study and find out what they say to us, what they said to the Thessalonians back then, and what they say to us now. Do we love God that much? Now, verse 4. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. In other words, are we trying to make brownie points with people, or are we going to be servants of the Lord and doing what He commands us to do no matter the possible consequences. And so it seems here like Paul may be kind of repeating himself, but he's got to make that point clear, is that with Christ we can be bold, with Christ we can be confident, and if we know the Scriptures we can know that we know the Word well enough to share it with somebody else, and we don't have to hide anything, and we don't have to make any apologies for the truth of the gospel. And we says in verse 5, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. That means Paul didn't butter them up first to make sure they were willing to hear. He went ahead and told them the truth of the gospel whether they were ready for it or not, because he had that boldness and he had that confidence of faith that he knew the Word well enough to tell it to other people. Now, verse 6, Nor did we seek glory from men either from you or from others when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Here it says Paul wasn't looking for any applause. Paul wasn't looking for the adoration of the crowds. He didn't go strutting around in those synagogues after his speeches or his sermons or his lessons and listen to him go, yay! That wasn't what he was about. That wasn't what he was interested in. He didn't care if they liked it or not. Well, he kind of did, but you know what I mean. He wasn't looking for the applause and the approval of the people. How many people do we know of who do whatever they do so they can get the applause of people and the adoration of people? How many preachers do we know who hang on every accolade that the congregation or the viewers or the listeners give them? Where if they don't get any congratulations that week, they say, oh, I must have failed because you never know whether or not the sermon you preached really got to the people or not, because you don't base your success of the preaching based on whether or not people come up and say, oh, that was a wonderful sermon today, Pastor. If you're looking for that, you're looking for the wrong thing. And I remember that one time, and it's been several years now, on one Sunday morning, one of my professors from Gordon-Conwell showed up for church here. And I looked over and I said, oh my gosh, that's, that's Dr. Davis. 
what am I going to do? He's going to know if my sermon stinks or not. And then it came to me. Wait a minute. And this is the conviction and the same thing. I have an audience of one that I need to please. And it's the Lord. And if I please him with the sermon, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If God is pleased, that's what matters. And that is what Paul is getting at here. You don't look and see if you can do it for the applause or the glory of men. You do what you do in the Lord for the glory of the Lord and for spreading his word and prayerfully hoping and praying that you can enlarge the family of God by your ministry. But don't care about what the people think. Just say it. Do it. Don't be obnoxious, but say it and do it and preach the word. Now, we're coming to verse 7 here, and it starts another section of this chapter, because we're going through all 12 verses of the chapter. But what we're getting at here is there are two different things and two different lessons in this next several verses, starting with verse 7. And from John Maxwell's Leadership Bible, he says that although Paul had met with this young church only on three Sabbaths, he longed for them like a parent longs for a child. As Paul mentored his children, he developed a parental coaching relationship with them. And note how he describes this relationship. And this is verse 7. We were like, Paul says, we were like a gentle, nurturing mother to you, like a parent. In, verse, in the next one, that's verse 7. And in verse 8, we shared not only the good news, but also our very lives. In verse 9, we worked hard not to burden you with our needs. In verse 10, we strove to be an example while among you. And in verse 11, we dealt with you as a father deals with his children. And in verse 12, we encouraged you to live up to your potential as God's children. Now, this, that's what Paul did. But this also is a seminar, as it were, on how we should be in our service for the Lord. And the first thing is, again, just like a nursing mother cherishes her own children, and it doesn't need to have the word mother in there. It could also have father in there, because I distinctly remember the time when my first son Daniel was born. And he was born, and I was the one who gave him his very first bath. And I held him in my arms, and I looked down at that little peanut-sized baby. He was a little bigger than that, but you know what I mean. And I saw those little button eyes looking up at me, and I thought, whoa, this is my boy. Now, when the second one was born, ah, you didn't care. <laughs> excuse me, sir. I did the same thing. When he was born, I gave him his first bath, and then I held him in my arms. And I looked down with adoring eyes at that baby. <laughs> and I saw him, and I said, whoa. This is my son, too. God, thank you. And I cherish both of those boys. 
even though sometimes they pushed my buttons to the limit. Now, those of you who have been parents can't identify with that, I'm sure. No, not at all. Okay. It was just me. But I cherish those young fellas. And I still do. And I am still just as concerned about the safety of Daniel now as I was when he was one, two, three, or four years old. Especially since he's going to Mongolia. The place where I could never imagine anybody going. Because it's 40 below zero in the wintertime. And it was bad enough in Minneapolis when on Christmas Day, 1996, it was 20 below zero. My son's going to that climate. God be with him. God help him. Hold him in your arms, Lord, and take care of him. Now that is how we should feel about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should love them that much to where we care for them like a parent cares for their own children. Because if you win somebody to Christ, that person is your spiritual child. And you are their spiritual father or you're their spiritual mother. And so you need to care for them like you would your own biological kids because they're your child then once you've won them to Christ. Now, we move on to the next verse. So affectionately longing for you, we were pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. And here is the big point. We have to be willing to give of ourselves and give sacrificially to those people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we are not willing to give them the time of day, hang it up and go home. Because if you're not willing to give of yourself to your brothers and sisters in Christ, your witness is DOA. Because no one is going to be convinced that you really care about them if you act like, go away, kid, you bother me. Or, yeah, you can call me on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day you want. Because if you're that way with them, forget it. They're going to lose their faith because they're going to see no example of Christ in you. Is everybody understand that? Okay. Now, the next verse, verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. And what Paul's talking about here is that he had a job, he was making tents and stuff while he was laboring for them. He cared about them and he lived on what he could make and he lived on what the Philippians sent him. And so why did he do that? He wanted to make sure that they knew he didn't have any ulterior motives, that he wasn't a con man, that he wasn't just trying to see if he could get money out of them. He maintained his credibility by not asking anything from them except that they come to the Lord. And he had the credibility with them because he didn't run around with his hand out saying, give here. He just ministered to them and cared for them. Verse 10, you are witnesses in God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have 
behaved ourselves among you who believe. That means they were people of integrity. They were honorable in their actions and their words, and they didn't have any compromises and didn't let anything slip because they behaved like true men of God would behave. Now, verse 11, as you know, we exhort how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. In other words, he had a heart for their growth. He cared about them and he exhorted them like a father does his own kids. Did you ever, parents here, did you ever sit your kids down and you say, one of these days you're going to be out on your own and I want you to remember that you need to be honest. Don't cheat anybody. Be on time for work. Don't lie. Don't make excuses for why you can't do something. Don't do any of that stuff. You're to be a person of honor. And so that's what he did. And he made sure that he was a person of honor among them. And it obviously showed because after he had to roll out of town and after they took him to Berea to get away from the riots in Thessalonica, he saw that they continued their growth after he was gone. And then the same ruffians that messed up Thessalonica came to Berea and started to create problems there. So he had to go to Athens. But Paul kept tabs on him. He kept sending Timothy back and forth. Tell, tell me how they're doing. Tell me how they're doing. And you know, that, do, that doesn't mean he's worrying about them. It means he was concerned about them enough to want to make sure they were still on the proper trajectory to spiritual growth and not being DOA. And so that's how we need to be with people we witness to, serve, or care for in the name of Jesus. And yes, every one of us in this sanctuary this morning has a ministry to which you have been called to do. You may not be called to vocational ministry. You may be called to be an accountant or whatever. But wherever you are, you are called mostly to be a servant of the Lord. And that's how you should be when you serve him. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880, or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm-hmm.